0: I love being here at Northside. We have a lot of uh, wonderful good things going on. And I love that we can come on a Labor Day weekend when we enjoy rest from our labors. And the song before the lesson is "We'll Work Till Jesus Comes." I've requested that, so I appreciate Charles uh putting those in, but uh we are in 2015 for those of you who haven't been here maybe in 2015. Uh, We are in a series uh, where we are talking about encouraging the congregation, the family here at Northside to walk worthy of your calling. The theme verse, of course, from Ephesians chapter four, verse one, where Paul says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so we have been endeavoring to go through this idea of walking according to our calling and we've talked about that in a number of ways this summer we are in a series on holiness and how we're called to be holy, called to be set apart. That's what the word church means. Ecclesia means the called out. And so we've really drilled down into the very practical, day to day kind of things uh, everything from temptation to how we dress, our, our views on money and stuff, materialism. Uh, we've talked about a number of different topics our words, how we talk to one another, uh, our entertainment. And so I feel like we have gotten very specific and we have worked to get. Very uh, practical with this series on practical holiness. Our, it's, we've called it laying aside because the theme verse comes from Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Where the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is before us. Now today we are finishing this series on practical holiness and we're going to talk about since it is the Labor Day weekend we're going to talk about working and the first thing that we understand from the Bible uh, as we're just reading from Genesis to Revelation the first time we run into this idea is in the creation account we are designed to work. If you'll turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, uh, it's on page 2 of my Bible. So very early on, God's giving us this idea that you and I were not designed to just sit around and be lazy. Chapter 2, verse 15, Moses writes these words. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So we understand that Adam's first job really was a gardener, maybe a farmer, but but he was out in the the garden working it, tending to the plants. Even in a perfect world, sin had not entered into the world in Genesis chapter 2. Sin had not entered the world, and work was still very much a part of it. you think about it, God has given us everything we need, and it's all self-contained on this old blue marble we call earth. Everything that we'll have, everything that we'll ever have comes from this blue marble that God holds within his hand. And yet the only way to draw out everything we need from it is going to come from our work. And so that's how God started. He put Adam to work. Well, sin came into the world, but that didn't stop. We're going to look now in Genesis chapter 3. After the curse, they had partaken of that which God had had said not to partake of. And so he gives them specific curses. He talks to the serpent. He talks to the woman. And then he gets down to Adam and he says this, because this is in chapter three, verse 17, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. So we see that God had in mind for us to work from the beginning, even after sin entered the world. God planned for us to work and for that to be a part of our life. He also included rest in that. You know, Genesis talks about God worked for six days and the seventh day he rested. It wasn't because God was tired. God didn't say, I need a nap from all this creation business. God, when he rested, he ceased working. There was a time, even for the Lord, to stop, and so we're going to talk about working well and resting well. And so, hopefully, this will be helpful to you on this Labor Day week and help you to be a better worker, uh, not only for your boss but for the true boss, the Lord. Ephesians chapter ten, verse. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. Ephesians doesn't have ten chapters. Turn there, Ephesians chapter two, verse ten, or read it up on the screen. For we are God's workmanship. Some versions, some translations say we are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We know that Psalm 139 tells us that all of our days were ordained before one of them came to be. That means that when you happened in the mind of God, You were envisioned with a purpose. God has things for you to do. And usually when we think of work, we just think about our 40 to 50 hour work week. But God has much more than that in in mind. Work is the practical realization of God's purpose. As we've said, it all comes from this blue marble he gave us. And so yet our work is what draws out the plants of the field and the things we use to make clothing and to have our food and to build shelters. All of that comes through our work. Think of it just this morning. Think of all the work it took just to get you here. Now, parents with young children are like, oh, yeah, testify. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. Think about all the work that had to happen for you to come here. You got up this morning. You got out of a bed. Somebody made that bed. Somebody created it. Somebody built the mattress. You put on clothes. Hopefully, uh, somebody had to sew together those clothes and design those. Uh, somebody, you went and get your coffee. Somebody had to harvest those coffee beans and grind them up and put them in a bag and bring them to the store. And can we say thank you so much for the coffee makers? The reason we're here, um, they the car makers, the the Ford or GM or Chrysler, the oil producers who gave you the gas to put in your car, uh, the lawmakers that put the regulations so that everybody drives safely on the road. The people who built the road, the people who repair the road, the ditch diggers along the side of the road, just so you could get here when you pulled into the uh, parking lot this morning, there was this. Beautifully paved parking lot. Somebody did that years ago. Somebody paved the ground and made it all run in a certain direction and covered it with asphalt and concrete. Landscapers and architects and engineers and glass cutters and paper printers and builders and drywall and plumbers and electricians and truck drivers and lumberjacks and textile producers and tile cutters and carpet layers and painters and programmers and IT people and computer designers and all of that just so you could be here. So, welcome. It takes a lot of work to make this whole world run. And so, God needs us to be working. Everything you have came through work. Either your work or someone else's work, but you benefit directly or indirectly from work. It it blesses the world that we live in. It blesses our cities and communities. It blesses our families. But more than anything, it blesses us. It gives us meaning and purpose and identity and provision and skills. It gives us the ability to do what God has in mind for us to do. Tim Keller said, work is a major instrument of God's providence. It is how he sustains the world. To put it another way, when you are not working, you are not doing what God created you to do. Now, I could say that really to almost any audience, but for a group of Christians, we want to talk specifically about how we should work. Christians don't just go to work. Christians do their work with excellence. And we have a lot of different jobs. If you go through the directory, we've got welders and electricians and police and security. We've got plumbers, people in construction, people that repair cars, people that sell houses, people that bake bread, people that fly planes, people that put out fires, people that help people when they're sick. Uh, People that are uh, engineers, people that uh, plow till the land, salesmen, custodians, bankers, entrepreneurs, business owners. All of those people and more are represented here this morning. So whatever you are. Be a good one. You ought to be exceptional at what you do you ought to bring glory to god 1st corinthians 10 verse 31 says in whatever you do do it all to the glory of god colossians 3:23 which is on the screen whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the lord not for men because you know you will receive an inheritance from the lord as a reward it is the lord christ You are serving. So when you go to work, don't just go to work. Don't just punch the clock. But have some enthusiasm, some energy. Have a good attitude. Make your boss proud that he hired you. It is your job to reflect well on Christ. Christians should be the absolute best. Employees and bosses and workers. Because that's who Christ calls us to be. Work should be a natural discipline. If you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, one of the things that Christ calls us to do is work. 1 Thessalonians 4.11. 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Paul says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands. Now, it's easy for us to think about just working with excellence when we go on the job. But we have... 24 hours a day, we'll say 16 since we're going to give you some time to to sleep. But of those 16 hours, you ought to be working at everything you do with excellence, whether you're maintaining your home or managing your household or going to the grocery store, whether you're helping out a neighbor, whether you are volunteering at church, you ought to do it with excellence. It's just a part of Christian DNA. We ought to work well at church. I, I was making the rounds this morning before class, and I go into the shield classroom, and there on the board it says, they you have know, a picture of a barn. It said we're going to paint the barn. Well, they're taking on a barn that we painted at which work Camp. We didn't have time or ability to paint the whole thing, but this guy's like 90 years old, and he's, he's served his country. It's a wonderful story. And we helped him a little bit at work camp. But the Shield class has taken on this huge project. And why? Because that's who Christians are called to be. We get our hands dirty. We dig down. We work at things. We, we leave the world better than we found it. Maybe more precisely, we leave the day better than we found it. Whatever situation we go into, we make it better, and we do that by productive work. You probably are familiar with Ecclesiastes 9.10. But if you're not, turn there. If you don't have it memorized, go ahead and turn there. You can cheat. It's an open book. Ecclesiastes chapter 9.10 says, The wise man here, Solomon, brilliant guy, said, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Or in the grave, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. You see, you're going to have lots of time to not work. Someday, you're all going to enter a permanent Labor Day holiday. Until then, God calls you within reason to work, to be productive, and to leave every place you go. Every day you have better than it was when you started. Let's talk specifically about the big part of our week. For most of you, that is Monday through Saturday or some variation therein. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Ephesians chapter 6, 5 through 9. Paul, there writing to the church, and he's talking specifically In in most translations, it's called slaves and masters. That gets the world all fired up because how politically incorrect that is. But if if you read the scripture instead of just judging, if you actually read it and dig down into it, he's talking about employees and their bosses. He's talking about labor and management. Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only when they're fa- to win their favor, when their eye is on you, when it's time for a review or a raise, or when the boss is actually at work, or when they're in your sector. Obey them... Like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord not men because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does whether he is slave or free and masters treat your slaves in the same way do not threaten them since you know that he is both their master and yours and there is no favoritism With him. In this audience this morning, there are people who are in charge. The boss, the head honcho, the big cheese. I want to ask you if you were not the boss, would you work for you? You ought to be a good boss. You ought to be fair, you ought to be honest, you ought to have integrity, you ought to build up your workers, you ought to encourage them, you ought to pay them a reasonable and and fair wage, you ought to uh, do everything you can to show that you care for them as a team member, not just as as someone who serves. In this audience this morning are people who work for other people. My question is, if your position was reversed and you were the boss, would you hire you knowing how you work? Would you pay you for doing what you do during the day? Most of you know that, of course, I do this, and I've done other parts of ministry as well. And there was a time in which I delivered pizzas to earn a little extra side income. I was resolved, because it always comes up when they look on, on your work history, oh, you're a minister, oh, you're a church guy. And people go, oh, oh, you're, you're a holy guy. Well... OK, but I was resolved to be to be the best employee that I could to work as hard as I could. And so when you're delivering pizzas, there's that part where you deliver pizzas. But then there's times when you're not delivering and the, the, the handbook says you got to stay busy. you got to find stuff to do. And so I, I would just do whatever I could. Uh, I would go over and I would fold pizza boxes. I've. Folded thousands of pizza boxes. I'm really good at it, if you need that skill. Uh, I've run out of boxes to fold, or they're stacked all the way to the ceiling, and I would go over and wash the dishes. That's humbling work, but it's good work. Now, I did that all the time. I tried to. I tried to always be busy and not be stealing from Pizza Hut Incorporated. Not because I was worried about cheating Pizza Hut, so much, but because Jesus is my boss and he tells me to work. So I would do that and I would stay busy all the time. One day i made went out and I came on the shift and I made a couple of deliveries and I came back and I could not find a job to do. Do you know why I couldn't find a job to do? Because all of a sudden there was like five people folding pizza boxes and four people over at the dish station and other people. I mean, everybody was busy. Like where all these people come from? Why are they doing all my jobs? Boss was here. Boss was there. Guy checking in. Everybody's staying busy. Well, that's okay. But Christians ought not to be that way. We ought to work all the time. We ought to be our best workers, even if no one is watching, because we know someone is watching. Leave the day better than you found it. All right. I want to finish up by giving you two things. Number one you need to keep perspective on your work you need to understand you need to maintain balance within your work life the the bible warns actually against both extremes that we can work too much we could also work too little so we start out by saying Remember who's the boss. Colossians 3 tells us very clearly that we're not working for our manager, our boss, or the, even the owner. I mean, we might be on some level, but on another level, you're working for Christ. It's he who you serve. That's, that's what we always got to keep in mind. But the second part of that is we've got to maintain this balance between two ideas in our work. One is idleness, that is this idea that you won't work. You refuse to work. Uh, it's easy to do in our country because we have so much wealth. I mean, I know there are people that talk about poverty, but people in poverty in the United States of America have two televisions and internet connection. Okay? That's poverty in the United States. Okay? So it's easy to, to get along pretty good and not work very hard. The Bible... Specifically condemns and warns against idleness. You might be on the clock for eight or nine hours, and you might be on your phone or on Facebook six or seven of those, and that's wrong. You're being idle. You're technically at work, but you're being idle. Don't be that way. The other extreme of that is that you work too much, you won't rest. Your your kids never see you because you're you're so busy earning all this money to provide for all the things that you never had. And, uh, you know, they just never see you You work seven days a week. You're always on call. And the only way you talk to them is through FaceTime. You got all your airline miles and hotel points built up pretty good, but your parenting points are pretty low. Let me speak very clearly to you. You don't get that time back. Once it's gone, it's gone. Can I hear an amen? Now, we have talked about that idleness is not good, but idolatry is not good either. Working so hard that your family doesn't know you, you refuse to take any vacation time, you will not rest. God says that's not good either. To be honest, the reason that people work so hard is because of what? want that money. Nothing wrong with working, nothing wrong with earning money. But if you do it where it becomes your idol, where you become filled with greed, you, you need the bigger house, you need the newer car, you need the next best thing, all the time you sacrifice a lot. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said this, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Listen to me. If you're working so hard that you're feeling guilty right now because you never see your wife or your husband or your children, if you rarely ever get to worship with the saints on a consistent basis, you need to seek a new job. What do you what do you mean? I mean, I can't do that. Oh, yeah, i I got to make all this money. Listen, Proverbs three, five and six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It does not say trust in your pension, trust in your paycheck. It says trust in the Lord. What did Jeff Walling tell us? Trust in the Lord and do what's right. If you if if work is your idol, if you if your heart is full of greed. You need to repent, and you need to make some changes. Now, back over to the idleness side. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, the verse that was read. If you're in a state of idleness where you won't work, you refuse to work, you're just always wanting handouts, you need to understand, the Bible speaks against that too. That will corrupt your heart as much as greed will. What you need to do when you walk outside today is stoop down, and you need to watch the ants. And you need to watch them going back and forth. And you need to ask yourself, why are they doing that? You know why they're doing that? Because somebody dropped some food on the way out. Because they, they, they're finding that food. And they're taking it back. And they're putting it underground because there's going to come a time where it's pretty hard to find food. The wise man says, consider the ant you sluggard. Don't just lie there, get to work. They never stop working. They always are thinking that there is winter coming. So we've got to keep this balance between the mind of the ant and the mind of the greedy idolater. we got to find somewhere in the middle. And it's important that we do that. Matthew, i sorry, Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Go ahead and look at this. Matthew chapter 6 is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking to his followers, people who want to be disciples. And he's talking specifically about worry. And he says, look at the birds of the air, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I love this. I think, I think we, if we think too much like an ant or think too much like an idolater, the way to find balance is to think like a bird. God provides for the birds of the air, but he does not just drop worms from the sky. If those birds want to eat, they've got to get out of the nest. They've got to fly around. They've got to look down on the ground. They've got to find a worm where they think one is. They've got to dig. They've got to work around until they can find it, and they've got to pull that sucker out of there. It is not the early bird that gets the worm. It's the working bird that gets the worm. You have to work to get the worm. Maybe that's you feel like all you get in your life is worms. I'm just trying to make a point here. Think like a bird. Okay. God will provide, but you got to do your part too. Now, usually we get into one of two extremes. We just sit in the nest all day and hope God will provide or we just go out and depend like it's all on us and we never stop working and we just hoard as many worms as we can get because we've got to retire someday and not going to be any worms left. We have to be willing to think like a bird. The best place to go when you need money? To work. Don't forget that God calls us to work, but not just for money, for identity, for purpose, For provision for ourselves, but for provision for the whole world. God calls us to holy work. So enjoy your work. I know most of you don't have to go tomorrow. But Tuesday morning, when you get up, try to get up five minutes earlier. And just make a list of all the ways that God has blessed you through your work. You'll run out of time in five minutes. Work is a blessing. It's how God blesses you, and it's how he blesses others. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. May we not forget the blessing of work. May we not forget the blessing of rest. May we keep those two in balance as we live and as we go. I pray that we'll be better workers It will be better laborers because of God's instruction for us. But the greatest part of God's word is not simply his instruction, but his invitation, the invitation to eternal life, the invitation to eternal rest, not rest because you're resting on a mattress or or, or laying on a couch, lying on a couch, but rest because you're finally within the presence of God. I look forward to that day, and I know you do too. But if you're wondering, if you're not prepared for that day, we'd like to talk to you. We'd like to pray with you. Our elders are going to be waiting down front here in just a minute. We're going to have a song. And if you would like to know more about entering God's eternal rest, about how to put on Christ for repentance of sin and in baptism, we'd like to talk with you, pray with you, and help you. And if you have any other need, we hope that you'll come as together we stand and sing.